0: Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories
1: of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story.
0: Well, Let's look right away at our passage for today, Luke 2, verses 1 to 7. Just notice with me as we go through this how many different names and places just in seven verses. It says, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Do you have a while you were there story Uh, when you had your kid, like you were out doing something else, needing to be somewhere else, and while you were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was, say this out loud with me, no room for them in the inn there was no room for them in the inn so he's born in a manger you can look up this word uh, refers to two different kinds of things that's very similar but can refer to a stable like a stall that the cattle are in and it can refer to uh, like what's in this photo a a feeding trough that's made of wood or stone Uh, the point is that this is no suite at Overland Park Regional right I mean I have a good friend who they almost had their baby uh, in their car and their Ford Explorer on the way to the hospital. Like they've got to get there. And and I I think Mary and Joseph, they would have been happy with a Ford Explorer, right? (laughs) Some leather seats, like they would have been all, rather than next to a cow, like they would have been all about that. They would have loved it. this is the eternal God, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, being born next to a cow. This event had been anticipated for thousands of years. There had been all kinds of predictions and prophecies and advance notices where people say one day God is sending the Messiah. He's going to send the Son of God. And this birth would split history into B.C. and A.D. Uh, B- B.C., if you don't know, stands for before Christ. And then AD stands for a Latin phrase, Anno Domini, which means uh, in the year of our Lord, in the year of our Lord. In fact, your birthday is dated in relationship to the birthday of Christ. And, And it's the most important event in history. Like when we say today is December 5th, 2021, today is December 5th, 2021, the year of our Lord. And that's what we're saying. Every time we're saying the date, we're referencing Jesus Christ. Most important event in human history, and there's no room for him to be born. And to this day, we still do not make room for him. In fact, we kind of want to push him out of the way, right? We certainly don't want him to be viewed in public. In 1963, the courts decided that Jesus should be banned from the classroom. And prayer in the classroom was outlawed. We said, there's no room for you in the classroom. And over the last 50, 60 years, we have been taking Jesus out of every room in our culture and saying, there's no room for you here. Uh, We've said there's no room for you in the courtroom. There's no room for you in the state room. There's no room for you in the classroom. There's no room for you in the workroom, the workplace. There's no room for you in the newsroom and all these other areas. So much so today that Jesus doesn't even get to celebrate his own birthday anymore. And for some, Christmas is no longer about Jesus' birth. A, a national survey revealed that kids today are more likely to learn the story of Jesus' birth from Linus on Charlie Brown than from their own parents. And I, I mean, I, I get it. I, I tried recently to read through the Christmas story with my four-year-old and have you ever done that? It's kind of dark. I mean, that's the tough... Like, I, I told somebody this week, I didn't see that ending. Like, when I went into that, I didn't think that was going to end with me with a map of Egypt. Like, that's <laughs> not where I thought that was, where that was going. But, I mean, what's going on here is we're making no room for Jesus. And, and today, yes, we can point our finger at culture and society and, and do that. But the reality is uh, we all have areas of our life where we've said there's no room for you here. And what I want to look at today is why don't I, why don't you make room for Jesus in our daily life? And uh, the questions today, if you're new, I love to outline the messages and give those to you so you know right where we're going and, and you can retain it and write things down and, and know where we were. And the questions I have today is why, why do we make no room for Jesus? And why should I? Why should I? And how, how do I do it? And the reasons we don't make room for Jesus in our daily lives is the same reason there was no room for him in the inn. And you need to realize that in your heart, in your life, in your mind, your life is kind of like an inn. And in your life and in your heart, you have many different rooms. You've got a family room where you're giving time and attention and affection to your family and addressing needs in your family. You have an office, you have a a workspace, a workplace, a work life, a work room that you decide what's in there, what's not in there. You have a bedroom life, your uh, most intimate relationship and, and your marriage, your spouse, your connection there. And, and you decide what's in there, what's left out of that room. You have a dining room of what you take in in your life. Yes, the food you take in, but what we decide to take in and you decide uh, what can be in and out of there. And <laughs> we all got a garage and what's the garage for? Well, that's where we pile all the junk in our life and all the baggage that we carry in our life. And we fill it up and decide, decide what's in there. And if you're going to invite Jesus into your life you've got to make room in your heart you've got to make room in the rooms of your life and your heart for Christ to be there but why don't why don't we do it if you're taking notes the first reason we don't do is we simply we don't we don't pay attention we don't pay attention, we're not even aware that Jesus is showing up around us. We're not aware that God is around our life all the time and he shows up in life in opportunities that we did not know we were going to get, the problems that we did not know we were going to have and he allowed them there so that we could grow. And Jesus shows up in our life all the time, we just don't always see him, we're not always tuned in. It's like right now, there are radio waves tv waves there's wi-fi going through this room right now you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real just not always tuned in and so much of the time we are not tuned in we're not paying attention to what god is doing around us and in our life in bethlehem there were guest rooms there was an inn there Inns are created for the purpose of taking care of travelers So there was a place for travelers to go. It's designed for that purpose, it's already there. The problem wasn't that there was no inn, the problem was that there was no vacancy. The spaces had been filled. I believe that's a parallel to your heart and your life, that you were made by God, you were created by God, and you were made to live your life for God. What happens is we fill our lives with other things and we invite other guests in and we rent our heart out to other borders to where there's no room for God. There's no room for Jesus. The heart's there, the life's there, but it's filled with other ideas, other interests, other values, priorities, loves, and commitments. And we don't always pay attention, but that leads me to the second reason why we don't make room for Jesus. If you're taking notes, it's because we crowd our lives with other things. We fill it with stuff. Have you noticed this? This is a profound truth. Stuff accumulates. Come on, somebody. Everybody agree with that. I've discovered, I've discovered that in garages, stuff multiplies in the dark. I've tried to catch it doing it. I haven't been able to. All I know is I walk out the next morning and be like, where did all this stuff come from? It wasn't here before. And it multiplies. It accumulates and it multiplies. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you right now cannot park your car in your garage? (laughs) Yeah, I rest my case, right? The fact is, garages were made for cars. Like, that's the purpose of a garage. They're not made to contain stuff. They're made for cars. But we fill it with other things. Now, don't miss what I'm saying today. God does not care if you can park your car in the garage or not, okay? I didn't invite you to church on Christmas to tell everybody to go clean out your garage. That's not this. I'm, yeah, you're welcome. I'm making, I'm making an illustration. Your heart, your life was created for a reason. It was made for God. That's the purpose for which it was built. But we cram it full to other, with other stuff to where there's no room. Any time, any thought of God our hearts aren't available. We filled it with other stuff. And there's no room in your garage for your car, there's no room in your heart for God. So you have no place, you have no space. And it might not be so bad except the results are so tragic because when your life is filled with other things, you don't have room in your life for the gifts God wants to give you. I mean, has systematically removing God from every room in our culture, is that working out well for our society? No. I mean, did you know that God wants to give you gifts? Like God, before you were born, planned the gifts that he wanted to give you. Relational gifts, emotional gifts, spiritual gifts, financial, health, career gifts. But here's the catch. You can miss them. You can miss it. Because God does not force you to follow his plan. He wants you to choose uh, to love him by faith. So he says, here's my plan, here's my purpose for you. You go with my plan, you get all the gifts that I've planned during your lifetime. Or you can go your own way. The problem is that we go our own way and we say, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm not gonna reach out for help. I'm gonna be my own God. I'm gonna call my own shots. I'm gonna do this the way that I wanna do it. Thank you very much, God, but I think I'm gonna do this on my own. And how's that turning out? Removing God from every room of your life, not too good. Because the fact is, when you don't go God's way, what do you end up with? Broken lives, broken relationships, broken health, broken dreams. End up hitting yourself up against a dead-end wall over and over again. End up with disappointments and things that never, that God did not intend for you to have. We brought them into our own life. Because we said we're gonna go our own way instead of God's. And we miss the gifts that he'd prepared for us because our life is too crammed with other things. As somebody who cares about you, as a pastor who loves you, if I could give you any gift this Christmas, it it would be that you figure out the one thing that matters most, the one thing that you've gotta make room for in your life. And it's getting to know the creator who made you, building a relationship so you can be with him forever in eternity when this life is over we don't pay attention we crowd our lives with other things and number three third reason uh, that we don't make room for Jesus is that we think we don't need to make room for him the deeper reason for our inattention is we really don't want God we'll say I I can do it fine on my own so God yes you created me you made me Yeah, Jesus, you came and you died for me, but you stay on that side of the fence and I'm going to stay on mine. Thank you very much. But then we end up missing the very purpose of our life. Like we miss the gifts God would give us, but then we also miss the purpose of our life. You weren't made to be disconnected from God. You don't have any power in your life when you're disconnected from God. Have you noticed that when the power goes out at your house, Uh, All of your appliances at that moment become worthless. Like a Keurig without any power is just a worthless thing taking up space. The vacuum cleaner is a hunk of junk if there's no power to connect it to. Those things cannot fulfill their purpose unless they are connected to a power source. You cannot fulfill your purpose unless you are plugged into the God who made you, who gives you that power. But the truth is, human nature is to wander from him. It's my nature to say, I can do this without being connected to you. I can do my thing. God, I think I know what will make me happy better than you. And the Bible says that we wander away because we are like sheep. Isaiah 53, six, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Now, that's the bad news. But the good news is that if I do make room for Jesus in my life, an amazing number of benefits take place. So why should I let Jesus in? I just wanna give you two reasons today. I could give you a lot of reasons, but let me give you two that are very simple, that are very profound. Before we we head in, we've got weeks to come of this series and Christmas Eve and, and this season. But uh, but but before we get to that let's just look at these couple of reasons of why I should make room this Christmas for Jesus in my life. And number 1 here's why because you can know your creator and savior. Wow. You can know your creator and savior. Let's look at how the disciple John begins his account, his record of the life of Jesus. He says before anything else existed There was Christ with God. He had always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make, including you. Eternal life is in him, and this life gives light to all mankind. Let me explain this. Uh, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all sinned. We have rebelled against God. We have sinned against him. He thinks us up. He loves us, creates us. And we say, there is no room for you. And I want not only to know my creator, but I want to know my savior who came and made a way for me even though I had sinned against God. He came to die in my place for my sins. Why? Here's the reason. Follow me on this heaven is a perfect place and God is perfect and in heaven there is no sorrow there is no sadness there is no sickness there is no hatred it is incredible it is holy God's throne is there right now in this moment there is worship of his worthiness his holiness If God lets us all into heaven without dealing with our sin, heaven will be no better than earth because we'll take all of our lusts, our ego, our betrayals, our stealing, our control issues, our rejection, our hate, everything that leads and ends in death. All of those things lead to death. Sin leads to death. So God shows us Um, I, I can't just send you, God says, I can't just send you a list of ways to get better because the sin leads in death and there's a death sentence over your life and you're dead in your sins. So I will come to earth, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, and he's going to live a sinless life and he's going to die in your place on the cross for all of your sins so you don't have to pay for them. And then he will rise from the dead and he will conquer death and he will conquer the death sentence you are under. And then by reconnecting, he's made a way for you to reconnect with your creator. You can have an eternal life of love, of hope, of a future, of power and of peace that he intended for us. In fact, this is the rest of the verse in Isaiah 53, 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Christ took that punishment of death for us. The second reason I want to open up every room of my heart to Jesus is this, to enjoy a life of purpose and peace. Like you can have a life now of purpose and peace. As you give him more and more rooms, he gets more and more in control and gives more purpose and more peace. Every room of your life that Jesus steps into, there is more purpose and peace in that area of your life. The secret to purpose and peace, which is, this is what we all want. The secret though to purpose and peace is not success. Have you noticed that? Like if success brought more purpose and peace, the most uh, meaningful and least troubled people would be the super rich. Uh, The bands with the most number one singles would never break up. Why? Because they're so successful and it's just bringing more and more purpose and peace. Why would you break that up? Uh, Great looking couples, uh, successful power couples would stay together. Owners of successful businesses would never burn out. Why? Because the success is just bringing more purpose and peace. So that doesn't lead to burnout. No, success is not enough. It doesn't satisfy. You were not made for money. You were made for meaning. Money, accolades, respect does not bring meaning. And life without meaning and purpose is petty. It's pointless. It's trivial. You were made for so much more. Your life is extremely significant. If you want to know how significant your life is, how much you matter to God, you look at Jesus in a manger, on a cross, his arms outstretched saying, this is how much you matter. This is how meaningful you are to me. I'd rather pay your ransom than live my life without you. Jesus says, I so love you. I so love the world. So now look at what God's word says happens when you receive him into your life. Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God, they're what? They are the children of God. The spirit you received, so when you let God into the rooms of your life, the spirit you received in your life does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. This title, Abba, father. It's one of the most significant names of God. It's one of the most significant names of God in understanding how he relates to you. This word Abba, it, it, it's an Aramaic word. It also means father, but it's a very, uh, it's a very special. It's intimate version of that. It's like uh, maybe you have this in your family where uh, a, a child is calling someone uh, papa or, or daddy, or there's just an endearing close term. That's what this means. It's that by him, we're not afraid in fact by him we cry Abba Father it's so extremely significant but if you are living in such a tiny small insignificant way because you've stuffed the rooms of your heart with stuffing instead of the things that are really going to matter what's my purpose what does this show this my my purpose in life my purpose is to enjoy and live my life as a child of God that's my purpose To live as a child of God, to be loved, to be cared for, in a Abba Father relationship with God. And not only does God give me that sense of purpose, but when I invite him in and I get a sense of who he is and the care he has for for my life, Jesus said it this way, it brings a tremendous amount of peace. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. What what kind of peace does the world give? Uh, It gives a temporary peace. Uh, Interesting study uh, that you can look into is a study of peace treaties. And uh, you can look up in different encyclopedias, several places uh, on the internet, of signed peace treaties around the world throughout history. Uh, what kind of sparked me on this was at the World War One Museum in Kansas City there's uh, a part in there about peace treaties and uh, I looked up different peace treaties that our country has signed and signed lately and throughout our history and and uh, discovered that archaeologists like uh, will even dig for peace treaties and you can go back uh, thousands of years and see different peace treaties in different cultures and look them up and here's what I discovered just kind of looking into that is that almost no peace treaties are kept for very long. Why? Because the peace that comes from the world is totally circumstantial. And we sign peace treaties in our life that are completely temporary and circumstantial. We sign peace treaties in our life that say, I've got a good job, so I'm at peace. But then when the circumstance changes, I'm no longer at peace. My investments are up, my investments are down. Metrics are good, metrics are bad. Uh, relationship is positive, relationship is negative. The news is this, the news is that. And we've signed these peace treaties with different things in our world. And then we wonder where is the peace? Well, the, it's, we're looking for a peace the world cannot give. Jesus says, I don't give that kind of peace. I give you a peace that passes understanding. What does that mean? It means that you have peace when there's no reason, visibly, physically, why you should be at peace. Everything around you is in chaos, but you don't have to be in chaos. It's a peace that passes understanding. And friend, you're gonna need it in 2022. You're gonna need to be plugged into the power of God, the purpose of God. You have a purpose to know, to grow, to serve, to share the love of Christ. And you're gonna need that purpose. And you're gonna need the peace that only Christ can give. Do not sign a peace treaty this Christmas with something from the world, with something circumstantial. You sign it with a covenant relationship with your Abba Father that cannot be taken away in time, space, or eternity that nothing can separate, not height, not depth, not life, not death. Amen. You know, when I think about this account of having no room for Jesus, uh, we often think about the innkeeper, right? Uh, a classic in every Christmas pageant. I kind of got a soft spot in my heart for the innkeeper because when I was in a kid's pageant as a kid I really wanted to be the innkeeper and uh, my friend got the part. I was trying to be supportive but then he blew the line like he had to open up the window say there's no room he couldn't do it and I'm like oh so I just think about every Christmas it makes me laugh and Well, what's interesting is the Bible doesn't explicitly mention the innkeeper or a conversation with the innkeeper, but he's there because it's a logical conclusion. Wherever you see a hotel, there's a hotel manager, right? Wherever you see a bed and breakfast, there's a host. Wherever you have an inn, you have an innkeeper. Now, follow me on this. The fact that the innkeeper and the people at the inn did not make room for Jesus, that didn't stop Jesus from being born. My actions don't stop God. It's his plan in history. When they made no room for Jesus, it didn't hurt God. It hurt them. They missed the biggest blessing of their life. They missed the privilege of housing the son of God at his birth. No room for Jesus didn't bother God. But it was the innkeepers who got hurt. The same is true with you. You might say, well, I'm not gonna open up all of the rooms of my life to God. Or I'll give him one room in my inn, or I'll give him Christmas, I'll give him Easter, I might give him Sunday, but I'm not going to give him the family room. I'm not gonna give him the the marriage room. I'm not gonna give him my safe. I'm not gonna give him uh, these parts of my life. I'm gonna keep those to myself. So those are all areas that will be filled with meaningless things because those are areas that you've said he cannot bless. You don't hurt God when you shut him out of your life. You're the one that gets hurt. You're the one who misses out on the purpose, on the peace. So you know how sometimes we'll have someone come up uh, on video or on stage and share their testimony, their story of how God has worked in their life. I wanted to end the message today with a testimony. And it's uh, the testimony of how an innkeeper that night might share his testimony. And instead of, I was going to read it to you, but instead of me reading it, I thought I'd have the innkeeper himself come and read it. You'll recognize him, uh, but if you wouldn't mind just playing along with me for a moment here, and uh, give, give a warm Rockbrook welcome, would you, for the innkeeper.
1: It was the busiest season I had ever seen running guest rooms in Bethlehem. A a once-in-a-lifetime business bonanza, courtesy of Rome's Caesar Augustus. Wanting to raise taxes, Caesar ordered that everyone would have to travel to their hometown to be registered for a census. That meant travelers everywhere, and that meant overnight lodging was in great demand. My inn was booked solid for a month. I could ask any price I wanted, and still, it was packed out night after night. I hate the Roman rule over our land. But in this case, Caesar did me a big favor because that month of income set me up for life. But then that couple showed up. I'd already turned away dozens that night, so I didn't think twice about it. How was I to know who that couple was? They looked no different than a dozen other families that I'd already turned away. How was I to know that they were unique, that they were special? So I just said, sorry, we're booked. We have no vacancies, there's no room for you." As I said those words to that very young couple, I saw a worried husband and noticed that the young woman was very pregnant. So I thought I would at least do them a favor and allow them to sleep with the animals in the stable back out behind the inn. I gave them some bethlehem inn towels. I told them, you can keep these. (laughs) Obviously I didn't know who it was. And I didn't know the importance of that baby that she was carrying. But now and for the rest of eternity and all of history, I'll be known as the innkeeper who turned away Jesus. I'm the guy who put the savior of the world in a hole in the wall with the animals. That's my legacy. My name is Mr. No Room for Jesus guy. So at least let me teach you a few things I've learned from my mistake. First. Christmas is all about making room for Jesus in your life. If you miss that, you don't get it. You miss the meaning of Christmas and why Jesus came. Second, beware of busyness. I miss Jesus because I was too busy to realize what God was doing right in front of me. Looking back, he gave me every sign. He tried to let me know this was different. This was special. I just wasn't paying attention. To be honest, it was an inconvenient time for God to work in my life. So I just pushed him off in a corner. But now that I think about it, it seems that there's always something, some reason, some distraction, some inconvenience, some other preoccupation to use as an excuse to not make room for Jesus. Jesus' other name was Emmanuel which means God is with us. He came to be with us for our benefit. If I had realized it, I would have given him my room. Shoot, if I could do it all over, I would have given him the whole inn. God's asking each of us to make room where there's been no room. There's still time to look at your life, to consider if your rooms are filled with matters, what matters most or just cluttered. You have time to choose Christ over clutter. You still have time to reserve a place for the most important guest of all. When he knocks, you can give him the welcome and the reception that he deserves as your creator and savior and king of kings, and he will knock. Like my inn, your heart was designed for God to inhabit. Will you open the door or will you just be another no room for Jesus guy? Thank you, innkeeper.
0: How do I make room for Jesus in my life? So how do I do it? God made it so simple that nobody could say that it's too hard to understand. You just open the door. You invite him in. You go, okay, God, you made me, you saved me, you love me. I open my life to you. Here's how Jesus said it in Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Like, I don't even have to do the work. God does it all. He does all the saving. I open up the door and hold nothing back. I come to God and say, okay, Jesus, this room, here here is me, every room in my heart, every part of me. Jesus, it's all for you, stuff I'm ashamed of stuff I've never wanted people to see, stuff that I'm uh, proud of, stuff that I've accomplished, stuff that I've never wished would happen, all of these things, God, it's all yours. I, I lay it before you, I open it up before you come in and take over the inn. And he says, I'll do whatever needs to be done. What do you need to trust God with? What do you need to open up to God this Christmas? What do you need to trust him with? I'll close with this promise from Ephesians three seventeen. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. That is a promise from God. Would you pray with me, please? God, I, I, I admit before you, we all do, I haven't uh, paid a lot of attention to you all my life. I'm sure you've been around my life when I wasn't even aware of it. And I admit that I've crowded my life with so many other things, not had any space for you, or I've given you just a segment. And I've not been able to receive the gifts you've wanted to give me because there's no room for them. At times I've been overwhelmed by all the things I've had to do, all the things that I wanted to get. I've been distracted. I've often missed the one thing that is truly most important, and that is getting to know the creator who made me. And I ask you to forgive me for the times that I've been so full of myself and my things that I just, I forgot you. I turned you away. There hasn't been any room for you in my thoughts, in my attitude, in my actions. I was always thinking about other things. I went my own way. I did my own thing. I rejected you. God, I have sinned against you and I don't deserve you, but I need your help. So today, I am asking for you to come in. I'm saying I want to open up all the rooms of my life to you. I want to know you as my creator and my savior. God, thank you for making me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying to, for, for me to forgive all my sins. I want to believe in you, Jesus Christ. As much as I know how, I put my trust in you. You promise that you'll make your home in my life, in my heart, as I trust in you. So as much as I know how today, I put my trust in you. I invite your love to fill every room of my life, to drive out worry, to drive out fear, to drive out anxiety. Right now in faith, I invite you into my life. Do whatever needs to be done. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today.